Welcome to episode 56 of the Daz and Daz NBA podcast and we're here again. I'm joined by Darren Hill. We're going to break down week two of free agency. Uh, we didn't. We thought week one was crazy, Daz, but uh, week two was even crazier with some of the signings, well, one particular signing uh, th- that we had. But uh, what, what's your, what was your sort of takeaway, I guess, just from a broad perspective of what we saw in, in the second week of free agency? Yeah, look... Um... Uh, we had started to talk about it towards the end, but I think we've seen it now kind of really bear out, which is that you've got basically um, they've squeezed the middle class in this market, right? Where you've got your, your max contracts or near maxes, your 20, 20 million plus players. And then you've got a whole bunch of one year short term um, min salary types of things. And so it's a, it's fascinating that I think the what did I hear today? The top, the top five or six deals of this off season are worth more than the, the 30, the, the other 30 combined. So it's a, it's a whole bunch of haves and have nots. And so I think it's raising some interesting questions around the league and the CBA and, you know, the unintended consequences of things like the max contract. So that's for me is the big sort of takeaway in a macro sense is the, you know, you're going to see uh, Devin Booker making $35 million a year at the same time as you've got right Julius Randle down there, he's probably the low end of the middle class, and a whole bunch of players from the Bellinellis and Ilya Sovas and, and Glenn Robinson, Doug McDermott's, and a whole bunch of right giant class of quote unquote the middle class or acting kind of like the lower class um, sort of NBA NBA citizens. Um, part well, of it probably a bit of the bit of the product that it's you know not a lot of cap space this year. That's for sure, and a lot of players hitting the market as per usual. But um, I also think this is a byproduct of right teams getting capped out on some of these max deals and being a bit, you know, not having to, wanting to go over the luxury tax and not really wanting to spend on anyone but you know min, minimum salary and cheap players. Oh, uh, the the dumb contracts, yeah. the dumb contracts will come back in force next year. I'm predicting it right now. It's just no yeah. teams don't have money to spend at the moment. So the the contract you're not seeing, and I think we've seen it once so far this off season, is the four years, forty million. That's the yeah, sort that's of contract right. that you just don't see. And the only guy we've seen it is actually Slow Mo Anderson signed that uh, with the Memphis Grizzlies, four years, thirty seven mil. But you just that's the contract that's poison, I think, because it's long term. It's that medium sort of money, and it just messes up your cap sheet. But ha- having said that, it can be a nice asset to trade and sort of make up salaries as well. So it's some something that you might want to have once on your books, but you don't want to have three or four players with that sort of contract on your. Yeah, ask Miami, ask Milwaukee, ask Portland, ask yeah, several of those teams in that in that middle. Um, well, look, you just have to be. I think I, I I I agree in principle. Just that you need to be really selective. That's the thing, right? I mean, throwing with the money for the forget 2016 for a second. Just talking about that price range. If you're throwing the same money for you know for Dellavedova that you're paying for Julius Randle. You're kind of going. You just you've chosen your middle class player the wrong way. So the Delhi is for me is obviously my living, working home, hometown example of a you know a theoretical nice sort of you know complimentary tenth man, but paid way better than a tenth man should be paid, right? So you just need to try to find the upside in those middle class deals. Or I go slow mo. Is there any upside in that deal? You know, it's probably got more upside than Delhi, right? Um, at least they're not the Alan Crab. 
Luol Deng, you know, Myers, Leonard sort of deals we saw in 16. But, but so yeah, so maybe this is a function of just the, the lack of cap space, but it's, it's pretty stark to me that you're seeing um, a really big divide between the haves and have-nots. Um, I wonder, right? I wonder if this is what they had intended with the, you know, with the CBA. Um, but we'll see. We'll see how this part sort of plays out. As you said, next summer, it'll be the rise of the Miles Plumley contract again. Yeah. And you mentioned Miami. I mean, Miami is seeing the opportunity cost now, I think, of what they did last summer when they just sort of spent all their cap, locked all their cap space up. And they would have been a nice, there's been some nice players, I think, that would have fit on that Miami roster that they're just not able to make offers for uh, because yeah. they tied all their cap space up. And, and to the point that, that we're sort of, or to the general points that we're making there, this is how the Boogie Cousins situation came out, and that was obviously the big signing and the, and the thing that went most crazy. So when I first saw the story of Boogie Cousins going to the Warriors, the one-year, $5 million deal for the mid-level exception, I thought I was seeing things. I thought, this is this is a joke. This is not Woj's pod. This is one of those Woj accounts that, you know, a parody account that sends out silly stuff. And then also, the, once I realised it was... Uh, it, it was legit. I then looked at it and went, and I was angry a bit, and I thought, ah, oh, that's it, the Warriors are going to win next season, which obviously they were in the position to do so anyway. But the more I thought about it, the more I thought, well, actually, it just makes sense because I think the market would have dried up for him, which the reports coming out, the market dried up for him very quickly once uh, New Orleans signed Julius Randle, and then he was sort of left without a team, and, and, and his options were sign a one-year deal with a terrible team for around $15 million, and that's if he was even going to get that deal, which wasn't necessarily out there in any concrete way, or do a sign-and-trade with New Orleans, and who knows where you end up there, or why not just ring around like he did and say, let me see if I can win a ring this year and go back in the free agency next year when there's a bit more money about. And, and from the Warriors' point of view, Worst case scenario is he's a you know he he's a much better version of Zaza. He plays twenty minutes a night, and you still go of your lineup of death to close out these games. And obviously, the best case scenario is he comes back and plays at some sort of all star level, and and you you're even better on the offensive end. But what what did you make of it all? I mean, were you similarly shocked when you when you heard it, and how did you process it from there? I was a little shocked, um, and I only say a little because. Uh, ever since he was diagnosed with that devastating injury, we had started the conversation going, holy shit, kind of poor boogie, right? What he went through at Sacramento and, and then this, you know, actually, you know, done pretty well. He's been a really model sort of citizen and teammate down in New Orleans and fitting in and starting to gel. And right, right before he's coming up for his contract, blowing that out, right? And sort of, so it was, it was heartbreaking, right? When he kind of got that, had the injury, and then you thought immediately, you go, how on earth is New Orleans going to justify, you know, bringing him back, right? We all know, right? All, we all know the stats and the history and the individual stories from from Wes Matthews onwards to um, about what happens to post-ruptured Achilles players, let alone a guy who is as explosive and is 270 pounds plus, right? Everyone's worried about that. And so what I think, so I was a little bit shocked. I go, okay, yep, Golden State adds a, you know, as, a, as another potential um, all-star to its roster. But one, Golden State was a heavy, heavy favorite to win it all before he signed. So he doesn't really, for me, move the dial that much, right, um, because they're so good. But then secondly, I've, as I've sort of processed it, I thought, 
this actually is kind of has this actually worked out in a way that New Orleans has actually hoped, given the fact that he's blown his Achilles. And what do I mean by that? This has given them a way to not have to pay him five years, 135, $155 million, right? Because imagine he'd stayed healthy and they got rolled by Golden State, right, in the playoffs. And um, then, then I think New Orleans in a tougher spot, you know, having to then suck up and pay him $35 million, a healthy version of him. I actually think this way it's giving them more roster flexibility. More Does it make them better? No. Of course we wanted a healthy boogie. But, but now that we don't know if we have a healthy boogie, I think this has actually made sense for New Orleans to get um, to someone like a Julius Randle. So uh, in terms of sort of the shifting players, where obviously McGee going to the clown car that is the Los Angeles Lakers, like sort of swapping big man Randle over to New Orleans and then boogie up to up to Golden State, I think it's worked out okay for New Orleans. Um, or I would want to take that conversation next. I don't want to jump ahead, but with Alfred Prayton then joining New Orleans and again Rondo going the other way to Los Angeles, I'm starting to wonder about, you know, whilst I applaud what New Orleans did to acquire Boogie, how they put the team together, how they performed, how they dealt with him after the injury, how they rebounded getting, you know, Nikola Mirotic to fit in there, how they had an amazing first round um, series against against Portland, which I'll always tip my hat to them, and had some gallant efforts against Golden State. So they've they've righted the ship, right? But I'm, part of me starts to wonder, oh fuck, Daz, are they? But are they really building anything? Is this is a team that's kind of grabbing a grab a Cunningham, grab a Miller, grab a Julius, grab an Alfred? They just they start to give me echoes of Cleveland 2005 to 2010. So um, that's my. That's where I go with that sort of conversation. Yeah, fine for Golden State. Makes tons of sense for them. Low risk, kind of good upside for the Warriors. Good on you. Go for it. Makes sense for Boogie to rehabilitate physically and to try and play for another contract and prove himself healthy. And believe it or not, a low-pressure environment where he can just come in, slot into the team, you know, hopefully bang and get some minutes in February and March and then you know see what happens in the playoffs. So it makes a lot of sense for him. And I think it makes sense for New Orleans. Um, I wouldn't have wanted to give him a, you know, a whatever, two years 40, two years 50, something like that. That's really tough. That's really tough when you're maybe getting a shadow of his former self this season. You don't know what you're going to get after that. So um, it actually makes sense when I step back from it. Yeah, I think I it makes sense. jump onto some things there? Well, it made sense for all sides. So from the New Orleans point of view, I, 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 I'm – not, I'm yet to be convinced about the Julius Randle sign. Let's wait and see how that plays out, uh, how he sort of fits with that lineup. Uh, I, I, we spoke about the Alfred Payton sign last week. I actually really like that. I think he's going to be a nice fit there in New Orleans uh, for them. But, it, you know, you're not wowed by the, the roster they're building around Anthony Davis. But having said that, what I've heard out of the reports out of New Orleans is he wasn't that upset to see Boogie go. He felt that the team played better when Boogie wasn't there and he, he had more freedom uh, to play the role that he AD. wanted to play. This is AD. Um, yeah, I believe that. And, and now there's stories leaking out that he wasn't the great locker room presence that they would have you believe, but whether that's a little bit of, you know, after-the-fact um, reporting from people out of New Orleans, I'm yeah. not sure. The the only risk, I guess, from Golden State's point of view is what's this, what's this guy's attitude going to be like? Is he going to be happy to take a back seat when the playoffs come? If he's not 
you know, if they do want to go these small ball lineups to close out games, is he going to be happy to sit on the bench? Is he just going to be sitting there pouting? If he plays more minutes, does that mean you're not going to be chasing a guy like Rudy Gobert off the off the court and Clint Capella off the off the floor? So Houston and, and Utah, who are two of the bigger contenders, if you like, in the West, they're going to be more comfortable. I think obviously playing their their centers, who are key parts of their lineups, pretty much every week, rather other than when they play the Warriors. So I think that's going to be an interesting question: How many minutes does Boogie play, and does that play, does that actually assist other teams? Uh, and and the other thing I'd say too, just quickly on the Golden State, this is a team that's a defense first team, and Boogie Cousins is not a defense first player; he's an offense first player. So again, not con- not totally convinced on the on the fit there. But at the end of the day, as I said, worst case scenario is a better version than Zaza Pachulia and, and Javale McGee. Yeah. And as I said, he could do both his Achilles and walk straight back onto the court, and he's still an upgrade. On particularly on Zaza, um, different type of player than to, to JaVale, but still an upgrade um, from that point of view. So I, I can't see where the downside really is, other than there's a bit of a locker room risk. And there were stories, I guess, of discontent in that locker room coming out of last year. Well, if you, if you had a discontent in locker room last year, you've just added a degree of difficulty to managing that locker room by bringing this guy in. But where I really like it for Golden State is this is now a challenge. When he comes back, this allows Steve Kerr to go to this team and say, I'm going to challenge you now. I'm going to challenge you to you know, find the spot for Boogie Cousins within our offense. And I guess it just gives them something to get excited about, I suppose, Daz, or be interested in. Because yeah. it, it must be hard for Steve Kerr to get these guys up if you come back with the exact same roster. I mean, they're going to add Jarebko. So Jarebko basically is uh, he's going to replace Caspi uh, from last season. They were talking about bringing Tyreek Evans in. Well, if Tyreek Evans comes in here, you just replace Nick Young. You're basically coming back with the same team. Now he's asking them... He's going to be asking him in sort of December, potentially, let's reinvent ourselves a little bit and let's look at a different way of, of doing this. And I think that's going to excite some of these players. And it excites me to a certain extent to see how they integrate Boogie Cousins into it. So that, that's where I really liked it um, from Golden State's point of view. Yeah, it's, you know, it's just, a, just to jump on that, it's the, you're right, changing it up, a bit of fun. I mean, this is a team that has had JaVale McGee on the roster. This is a team that signed Nick Young. This team has got Boogie, right, a larger-than-life sort of character. And like you said, you play 100 games a year for the last four or five years, and things get stale, and you got the piss-head, you know, 15 technical multiple ejection Kevin Durant. You know, it actually might be nice to have a little bit more flippant speak-your-mind Boogie who can you know, almost like Draymond in a way, right, kind of be able to call things perhaps the way he, you know, call things like they are. So... I think that's a, actually a pretty good chemistry experiment there. Again, a team is so fucking good. Like, what what really is the downside? I mean, what be, what behavioral impact you know might he have on the team? That's you know, it's a fraction of as important as you know as Curry's ankles and Clay's jumper, right? So, um, I think it's a bit of fun. Good for them. And yeah, look, if you get uh, you get Boogie playing, you know, he won't play back to back. He'll play twenty minutes a game probably for hopefully twenty or thirty games of the season. He'll He'll almost pl- reprise the ultimate, you know, Enos Cantor role, right? Come in and get, you know, 14 and 8 in 10 minutes, you know, during the third period while the Warriors are, you know, are laughing and making jokes, you know, going mm-hmm. on their 30, 38 to 20 run in the third quarter while 
you know, boogies, you know, but smashes some heads. So it's just a, it's another, it's another weapon, right, in their in their arsenal, which is a, again, a, a, even an eighty percent or seventy percent boogie, you know, is a is a weapon for them. I think so. Good on him. I, I think it's a good fit for him. I'd, I've resigned myself to them winning the title next year anyway. So I, you know, this is yeah. this is a non-story for me. So I I wasn't at all up in arms about, you know, the whatever this whatever the argument is. I don't even know what the argument is. This this lazy oh the best team can't sign more players i go if, if you're if you're angry about that I, well you don't understand sports then so um well like 29 other teams had a, yeah. had a chance to sign him so that's right you know it's that's just right. like what, what are you going to do and, and most teams just had a no boogie positive and they're interested in the guy even if it wasn't that contract so yeah uh, there's some no boogies and then I bet there's other teams that you know no post rupture to you know rupture to kill you. That's right. There's a number of yeah. red flags, and and Golden State they're in a position to take that risk. You know, the 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 rich uh, when you when you've got the talent that they've got, they can take a few risks with their roster. Yeah, if it doesn't sure. work out, like a Nick Young last year, um, you just say okay, that didn't work out. We move on to the next season. Um, final point on New Orleans, I think you can say they they that wasn't a great trade as it turned out for them, but it was a risk that they had to take. They're, they're showing. Anthony Davis, that they're, they're willing to take some risks and try and swing for the fences with some of these moves. And I think that's a good thing to try and sell him on staying there long term. And I'm still bullish about their chances next year. I, I think Alfred Payton's going to have a really good year there next year. I'm going to go out on a limb on that one. Um, Randall, as I said, I, I think he might be an interesting guy off the bench. It'll, it'll be interesting to see actually how they use him. Uh, but I, I think they'll just pick up where they left off from last year. Let's hope that everyone can stay healthy there and, and they should be able to push towards a sort of top four well, seed in, in the in the Western Conference. Well, they played at a frenetic pace, right, with Boogie. Then when he went out, they even played more frenetic with Miritich mm. and Rondo. Now, imagine how you just turn the volume up even more, replacing Boogie and Rondo with Alfred Payton and Julius Randle. I go, fuck, they, that might be the fastest pace. They'll play even faster. Yeah. Right? So I go, right. it's pretty clear what they're trying to do. They're... They're certainly not going after traditional 3 and D wings and, and three-point shooting. They're not. They're going after, we're going to rebound the ball, we're going to run, and we're going to play as we're, we're going to play enough defense and some aggressive defense that, like we saw against Portland you know, to, to generate turnovers and, and make you work, but we're going to run, 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 run. So I, I applaud that they've got a strategy, right? So, But, I again, I'll come back to this, and we'll probably revisit the over the course of the year is that are, I wonder, are we, are we still though seeing a, you know, is this a, a mirror of, uh, you know, the Cleveland Cavaliers of 10 years ago? And I don't know what, you know, this is the New Orleans has made their bed. You'd have to go back and unwind a whole bunch of transactions to have them, you know, trying to build something different around different players and getting some people of the certain age, you know, similar age to AD to grow with him. But, you know, we can't rewrite history, rewrite history, but it just, you just start to get that feeling with all this chatter around. It was almost like we were assuming he's, you know, AD's going to be traded or he's going to leave, you know, at the end of this deal. So, um, so it's just something, uh, so it's just a, a long-term trend, I guess, to keep track of here is 
are these is the whole going to be greater than the sum of the parts? Which, oh, well, there's, you know, and, and that will be a story we revisit multiple times. Yeah. Uh, the AD yeah. dynamic. Let's let's move to the next big name that, that we that moved last week because the Lakers have since filled out their roster even more. Uh, and you mentioned that Rajon Rondo going to the Lakers. Uh, I'm, I'm sitting here scratching my head at the way they filled this roster out. I can't work it out. I, I understand it from the point of view of. Yes, they're one-year deals. Yes, they're going to be players in for agency next year. But you're assuming that they're going to make some big signings next year. Obviously, Kawhi Leonard's the guy that, that continually gets bought up uh, with the Lakers. But assuming they don't put anyone else on this roster, does where do you see this, this team sitting in the Western Conference at the moment? Because I'm sort of a bit torn. I, I think... I think it's. I'd be very surprised they got the fifty wins on one hand, but then I think they weren't an absolute train wreck last year either. So you're essentially saying we're replacing Julius Randle with LeBron James from last year, and there's still a question mark at centre because uh, Brook Lopez is not coming back either. But that that's obviously a massive upgrade from Randle to James. How many wins does that add? And then you add a few more veteran presences like Rajo Rondo and. Lance Stevenson, and and how much of a presence they're going to be, I guess, remains to be seen. But where do you see this sort of team shaking? Yeah, is this is this a forty-five win team? Maybe sneak into the eight seed, or do you think there's there's a bit more upside there than than what we're seeing, particularly with the way LeBron can can bring out the best in some of these guys? Well, let's just do a really quick right. Golden State is Golden State. Houston, I think, is going to fall back. Maybe they're not. Maybe they're not top two, but Houston's still I don't think Houston will fall back that much in the regular season. I, I think they're, they're number two overall, but it wouldn't surprise me if they got the one seed again in the, in well, the regular season. If they bring Capella back, yeah, if, if something yep. crazy happens, but I think he's going to get re-signed no matter what. I think Portland's going to drop, but again, they've still got most of their most of their team back, so I think Portland's going to drop. OKC, probably about the same. Utah's on the upswing. New Orleans, I think, is going to be the same, if not better, with a full year of Miritich and, like you said, a little bit more depth with Randall and, and Alfred. Spurs probably going to drop. Minnesota has got a, enormous amounts of pressure to move up, and Denver, right, has doubled down on their team. And, um, you know, you, who knows what they'll get from Porter. That's just your top nine, right? So I go, how are you going to – who are you going to replace in the top nine, right? Uh, so I go, I, I would put them in that – and I think the Spurs are going to drop, so you put them in that battle with Spurs, Minnesota, and Denver at the, I guess, pretty comfortably in that 7 through 10 is where I'd put them. But that's, I don't know how they break the top six, Daz, really. So I think they're 7 to 10. I think they're bet. you know, so the question is, so just looking at the other teams, looking at their roster, I don't know why. Have you noticed, like, people love Brandon Ingram more now and he's not playing basketball. <laughs> I'm shocked that the amount of Brandon Ingram love it. People are just saying, oh, I'm so high on this. What's happened, Daz? I'll tell you what's happened. No, no, no. I'll tell you what's happened. Yeah. They haven't been watching Brandon Ingram because the Lakers are irrelevant during the regular season. So what's happened is the Kawhi Leonard stories come out and they've said, let's take a look at this guy a bit, a bit more closely, right? And I think... You know, mate, I think they're coming at it from the point of view is how good an asset is he? And I think they're focusing on the good things that he's done and not necessarily looking at him as a whole and not necessarily looking at the weaknesses in his game at the moment. 
uh, and I've, I've seen the, quite a few Lakers games this year, and I, I thought the guy was mostly invisible outside a little bit of a stretch he had in around January, um, December, January type of thing. I think he had a, he had a nice nice run there at his 32-point game, etc. But most games I see with Brandon Ingram, I just, I'm at an absolute loss as to see what he's bringing to the table. Because trust me, I've been watching him pretty closely because the Kawhi Leonard... Uh, situation obviously has been dragging on and it became clear in, in January there's a real chance he's going to leave to the Lakers and Ingram could be part of the trade package but I just think they're, they're focusing in on, on this sort of film room study of him rather than just watching him in games and I think it's a, it's a totally different situation to just watch a guy in that situation than watching him in the flow of the game do you think it, it, does that sort of make sense to you from the yeah. point of view of where these guys are coming from now? yeah I go. That's probably. I think that's it. I go. It's, but it's. But it feels like his stock has risen from April first to July first without playing a single game. <laughs> and I go. But right. I literally believe that. You know. And I go. Is it just because there's so many California writers now and everyone with LeBron the last twelve days on the you know on the Lakers? Well, you got to pick a side too. To so he's either right. he's either rubbish or he's great, and there's no in between. Well, there's that. This so is, that's, this is so part of you. it too. Right. So I, I digress a little bit where your question was where I think the Lakers fall. I was talking about the West, just looking at their teams. It'd be probably in that 8 to 10 range, 7 if they're lucky. Then I go, okay, looking at their roster, everyone's talking about Brandon Ingram, and I, I'm with you. He looks and feels a lot like um, skinnier, taller, less athletic Andrew Wiggins in terms of his impact on the game. They even say he's even you know good on him. He's, he's upticked from a horrible rookie season to having somewhat of a, you know, a better, you know, better sort of, um, I guess, just approach on offense, a little more aggression and, you know, a little more, a little more efficiency, but he's still a horrible free throw shooter. He's not a natural three point shooter as all his attempts dropped way off. He turns the ball over a lot. And as you said, he's just kind of invisible. And I go, yeah, I get it. He's only 20. He'll be 21 here in a, in a month or two. So he's, you know, he's got room to grow, but boy, oh boy, he, you know, he's, he hasn't shown anything in the realm of the his contemporaries of the Jalen Browns or Jason Tatum's or Donovan Mitchell's. He's not even not even close to that stratosphere. So I don't know what. And I go. I think he's going to be affected the most by LeBron's presence, right? Because where is that? You know, LeBron's obviously a four at this point in his career. So that's going to bump Ingram to the three. And boy, imagine Ingram trying to defend defend wings and um, you know chase and do tons of closeouts and you know, having to work on, on, on defense and defending threes. I think that's going to be, is that their plan to play him at the three question? Um, so I think he's, he's could have one of the tougher transitions. Um, and then, so he's going to have a tough transition. Well, the big stop. question too is, Des, how much patience is LeBron going to have with the young guys on this roster? Is he going to be happy to, to let them make their mistakes? Or is he going to say... I want the veterans in soon because we're, we're losing too many games. You know, Brian Windhorst made a really good point about LeBron. He said LeBron's going to get a culture shock next year because he's coasted through regular seasons the last, what, four or five seasons. And he said it's easy well, in the East. Year, yeah. Well, it's easy in the East, though, from this point of view, where you can look at it and go, yeah, we're having a bit of a bad run, but we've got Orlando, we've got Atlanta, we've got the Bulls, we've got the Nets, we've got the Knicks. Like, we just got an easy run coming up. And, and I agree with you. I think last season, he had to put the team on his back more against those sort of teams than he ever had in the past. But 
next season it's not going to be like that. You know, you might be looking at it and it's got to be the Jazz, the Nuggets, the Spurs, the Clippers, and you know, Golden State in the same week type of thing. So there's not the the easy runs and the easy wins that you yep. get in the Eastern Conference aren't going to be in the Western Conference. And is LeBron going to get to a point where he says, I'm losing patience with this. I want I want, I want, want my guys in. I want Rondo in. Let's go out and sign some old free agent like Dwayne Wade again. You know, this, and this is what he's done in the past. But, he, but to, be, to be fair to him as well, he hasn't really had a young roster around him either since yeah. his very early days Look, in Cleveland. So how do you see that side of it playing out? I have a very – I'm going to stick with what I thought when he first signed is I – when he first signed, I'm sticking with the fact I think he he knows this year isn't all about basketball on the floor. This year is about right uh, a whole bunch of other things. The the media circus, the reality television show that's going to be this team. Um, and considering now that Paul George hasn't signed, it looks increasingly unlikely that Kawhi is going to end up at least in the summertime that he's going to end up there. I think I I think we're all crazy if we don't appreciate that LeBron knows he's not competing for a title this year. He knows he's not competing for a title. So let's give him that credit. So therefore, if you know you're not competing, what's the best thing you can do, right? Is become Uncle LeBron, become Teacher LeBron, be, become the guy who you know, only plays 65 or 70 games, keeps himself in prime, prime peak, as best he can, peak condition, looking at next summer, and trying to make a run for the following year. So I think he's going to look after himself. I think he is going to be a little more deferential. I think he's going to be okay. And he's got a built-in excuse. He's got a built-in excuse if they miss the playoffs. Because guess what? He inherited a baby coach, and he's got bloody Rondo, and you know, all these kids playing. And you know, I think he's got a built-in excuse. And it's and fair enough. He's earned that right, right, to not have to try and take a horrible team and take this team and try to win 50 next year in a gruesome conference. And so I think he's going to, he's seeing this whole entire picture that this season, and this was what must, what this is what, geez, I'll try to spit it out. This aspect is probably what hurts Cavs fans the most. It's like, wait a motherfucker. You never gave us that chance, right? Why, why are you going to write off this season in LA when you could have written it off with us in Cleveland? If you were going to write off a season, why not write it off with us? Right. So I think he's writing it off, Daz. That's, that's my real belief. Um, that doesn't mean he doesn't want to win. I just think he's kind of going, there's no way I can catch um, the Warriors this season. So uh, I think he's going to defer more. I really do. Um, now, well, and then, then happens, what happens, though, in, right? in the in free agency next year? I mean, because I said last week, I think he's going to be putting a lot of people on audition and say, who's joining me next season? Yeah. What's your confidence level that LeBron's going to bring, bring some big free agents in Hi. next season? Hi. Yeah, so, so, so am I. Because I've, I've heard Butler, some people say know. LeBron players might not want to play with LeBron. They don't want to come to LA. I, I can't see that happening. I, I'd be stunned if LeBron didn't bring him at least one big name, and, and it depends obviously on their salary cap situation, and that's why in some ways it, it makes more sense to try and bring Kawhi Leonard in in the trade and try and somehow work cap space so you can have the three players rather than just sign Kawhi or Jimmy Butler or whoever it is next year and have two stars. But Maybe um, maybe Shaq and, and Charles Barkley can get it, and Kevin Garnett can get a hold of Kevin Durant, right, and take him to a retreat and say, you know what, mate, okay, you had your little fun, you got your back-to-back-to-back rings, uh, you know what, why don't you do to Golden State what you, what, you know, what you did to Oklahoma City? <laughs> Go down to L.A., 
team up with LeBron, team up with Jimmy Butler, and go go see if you can dethrone dethrone the Warriors, right? So um, I only half jest about that, but I, I think the probability is high. That and I go. This is where I was in a longer conversation. I think we're starting to see this this generational shift, right? Of the you know the more um, the millennials, the younger generation wanting to play with their pals and be with their buddies. Not that the banana boat didn't, but it's almost more important, you know, to have fun than it is to win titles. <clears throat> Paul George. Um, <laughs> and so I go. I think you're going to see the generational. I think the badass. Um, super competitive type players like the Jimmy Butlers of the world. Um, I think, boy, if you're Jimmy Butler, wouldn't wouldn't now playing next to LeBron, um, wouldn't that look really attractive? That was my new latest little brainwave with, I think, the the impending um, uh, uh, demolition of the Minnesota Timberwolves, which I think is inevitable. I think he's uh, he would be a wonderful fit, you know, rugged, two-way player, a bit of an old-school mentality, works fucking hard, loves the way... Tibbs taught him high IQ guy, right? Worked his ass off to build himself into an NBA player. I think that type of guy would be brilliant next to LeBron. So that's just one. I'm just sort of I'm yeah. lasering in on sort of. A, a oh, there's going to be a type. lot of big names, a lot of good yeah. names there this yeah. year. I think this is Durant's last year in, in Golden State. I'll go ahead and and say I, that now. I do too, Daz. I go. I to give him some credit, right? And I. We've, I've bashed him a lot, like most of us have, and I, I, I don't want to hate him the way I hate him because he plays such a beautiful style of game when he he wasn't such a dick. Like a, you know, turn into the mercenary then, KD, right? So I actually would respect him if he left and you know, took on a challenge. Well, right? I think that's where the Knicks work, comes work into hard. it. Yeah, yeah. The, the the Knicks oh, yeah, sort the of Knicks. story. Fine, that's great. Yeah, make basketball relevant in New York again, and be yeah. the, you you be the guy that brings a title to New York. Then you can say oh, that's that's a legacy. You know, winning three titles in a row with this team adds. Jeez, Ky- adds uh, he's a Kyrie, you know, Kyrie, KD, and, and Zinger. Awesome. Yeah, That'd be fun. It could, Fuck, exactly. For them. Exactly. <laughs> I love Giannis, but man, that's you know. The Bucks can't get you a couple of running mates. I'm cheering for the Knicks. <laughs> so that's that's the sort of thing I see happening. Anyway, so we'll we'll see how that plays out in uh, in in LA for LeBron. A little bit more news coming out of San Antonio. So the the Kawhi saga drags on. We're getting more stories about how Kawhi has behaved uh, across the season. There's actually a really good video of Michelle Boodle just going off uh, on Kawhi and his behaviour uh, so far this year. It got this ridiculous, Daz, where Kawhi was working out in New York. The Spurs brass showed up to check on his progress and see how he was doing. Now, the the weak excuse that the Kawhi camp has put out since then is, oh, we weren't ready, we weren't expecting him to come, so we thought that was disrespectful. So what they did was they sequestered him into another part of the building and refused to let the Spurs uh, see him. And as Michelle Beadle pointed out, she said, yeah, but he still went and cashed his check at the end of that week, didn't he? Unless I'm mistaken. You know, so this guy is just, San Antonio fans are done with him. I don't see any scenario. People are saying they're going to repair the relationship. I don't see any scenario where he can walk back on the court in a Spurs uniform, Daz. I think the fans might tear him a new one if he tried to walk out and play game one this season. I'm trying to think. I don't think it'll do enough the cuff. Have we seen a star like this in our lifetime absolutely torpedo his own club, throwing his teammates under a bus, 
throwing his coach under the bus. Have we have we ever seen anything like this, Daz? I mean, we've ceased to see some of the petulant behavior from the, you know, the Latrell Sprewells doing some crazy stuff or the Stephen Jacksons, you know, some of these sort of really, you know, Anthony Mason sort of types, these really hot-headed, you know, kind of 90s, you know. Um, well, the closest almost, is, yeah, Vince Carter seen in Toronto it? would be the closest. Vince Carter, that's a probably, okay, good. That's That'd probably be the, the absolute closest. closest. But this is even started, this is just the guy that This that is said, worse, yeah. And, well, it's now come out, too, that the Santana Spurs gave up control of his treatment in August. So this was in la- this was basically this almost this time last year they gave up control of Kawhi's treatment. So the 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 story that was out there that was the Spurs were controlling this up until like November and then Kawhi's team took over. That's not true at all. The Spurs lost control of this very early on, and uh, Kawhi's team just really made it made a decision that seems very early on. We're just going to force our way out of San Antonio, and um, he stayed in New York and, and rehab, supposedly rehabbed. It seems quite clear now that he was right to play, it, it, certainly in January, maybe before that, and he's just refused to come back and uh, and play for a team that, that you know that, that played their butts off and then stayed in the top four of the Western Conference uh, for most of the season. So, and during a period, as I've said before, where the most beloved figure in the history of the the basketball franchise was going through a deep personal trauma as well. So I think most fans, and I, and I can't even see how the locker room could accept him back um, at that point. I know I, I heard Jalen Rose have a take on this, and he said that it'll be fine. They're all professionals when he comes back in, but I just can't see it. I think um, it'd be very, very difficult uh, for San Well, with, fans with Tony Parker players. gone, I think that makes it a little easier, right? So he doesn't have to look under the shadow of, you know, he's not embarrassed by someone who's so respected. And if, if Manu retires and Tony's gone, I could, I can see it. I, I guess it's, I think you're, I'm, it doesn't mean he's not going to get booed every time he touches the ball, unless there's some, <laughs> I think it's going to be te- fascinating to see the fan reaction. Yeah. yeah. He would have to have some sort of mere culpa, um, without a oh. doubt. To come which back. would be so out of character i just you can't believe it can you it's just easier for him to stay quiet well now the mere couple would be the, as, yeah. the mere couple would be him saying uncle dennis is no longer a part of my decision making crew i've i've separated him out and you know you don't have to disown the guy but just say look we've got actual professionals making our decisions now not an that nfl happening. agent yeah, that doesn't know happening. what he's doing and that, yeah. there's that's not going that that's the that's the kind of mook up i'm certainly not expecting him to go and do a tearful espn look, interview at any stage look the more we the more we learn the more we have to really respect how uh tight-lipped san antonio was about it for the whole season now we've remarked about this almost consistently from pretty much December onward, why we're just not hearing anything from either camp. And, you know, the little tiny little barbs, like Pop saying you need to talk to their group, like that's as deep as the insult got, which is that's the lightest insult you're ever going to hear. Mm. So the more we learn, the more I tip my hat to to Pop and, and co for being able to keep a lid on this as well as it had, to not have this stuff, you know, leaking out during the season and dealing with this, and the guy who never even showed up to be on the bench in the playoffs, and, and, and. I mean, you do tip your hat. Any other organization besides the Spurs would have, could be, would be absolutely would have been ripped apart. So mm. kudos to, you know, to their ability to manage this. And it looks like 
again, you tell me you're a lot closer to it. My impression is that they're going to just start, they're going to wait this out, right? They're not under any hurry, right? The Spurs aren't in any hurry to get this done. They got a few months here, right? Kyrie was dealt, was he dealt mid-August last year, end of August? So, um, yeah, right, right before training camp. Yeah. So look, I think they're going to wait this out is my impression. Right. And I think he'll get traded. Right. Um, there's no chance he comes back. Is it more likely he'd come back and play and shake hands and no, I th- make I don't an apology? Think... Or, yeah, it'd almost be more likely to... I think they'd more likely to just go into the season out, yeah. Yeah, and say, you're not yeah. playing, you're not coming back. Um, yeah. And then, obviously, you know, who, who knows? Although, I, I still hear that him and, him and Pop are, are still have a decent relationship. So, I think a lot of the anger in Santo is more around the people that he surrounded himself with more than him... Um, Personally, I think they they just sort of think he's he's been led down the garden path. But at the end of the day, he's his own person. Uh, so you know he he's made the decisions. Not um, yeah, you can't you can't pin it all on on Uncle Dennis and, and the team that he surrounded himself with. Yeah. So we'll see how it plays out. Daz. obviously we'll be we'll be watching that closely. But quickly on Tony Parker, he's obviously signed with uh, the Charlotte Hornets. That didn't surprise me. Uh, I'd actually heard. The way Tony Parker was talking towards the end of the season, I sort of thought he, he's got an eye on leaving um, because I think he saw the writing was on the wall. He, it wasn't a big part of what they were going to do on, in terms of on the court. Next year, they had a more of a mentorship role set out for him, uh, whereas uh, he, the, the Hornets at least have said, you'll be backing up um, Kemba Walker, which, I mean, he's a massive upgrade on the backup uh, point guard that they had last year, Michael Carter-Williams. Uh, and he wanted to play with Nick Batum, who he's very close with, and he knows Borrego, obviously, from his time with Santos. So I like, I like the signing from good Charlotte's fit. point of view, good fit. Um, and look, from Santos' point of view, he wasn't going to be a major factor um, for Santos on the court. I think they're ready to hand the keys to Derek White, who's playing really well in the Summer League, and obviously DeJounte Murray had a breakout year of sorts last year. Paddy Mills is still there. They've brought in Bellinelli. Like, they've got plenty of ball handlers there, guys that can sort of t- um, take over in need um, without needing Tony Parker to come in and play major minutes uh, for them or have a major contribution. So, look, a great 17 years that he had there, Daz, and uh, he'll, he'll obviously always be known as a San Antonio Spurs player first and foremost, but I still think he's got enough left in the tank to at least uh, contribute something to uh, Charlotte next year. And as I said, even if he's just a backup for Kemba, I think it's a nice fit there in, in Charlotte. Good fit. Good on him. Um, hope he has some fun. That team won't make the playoffs. So, again, hope he just has some fun playing with... Well, they might. I wouldn't be surprised if yeah. they make the playoffs in the East, but we, we'll get to that a bit later Oh, yeah, I forgot. They're the in the East. That's right. <laughs> yeah, Probably a five seed. Yeah. <laughs> so, let's... A uh, couple of uh, restricted free agents. Restricted free agency sort of starting to come in now. It's been pretty quiet on that front. Um, the Sacramento Kings fired the first shot in many ways in restricted free agency. They offered uh, Zach Levine, I think it ended up being four years, 78 million. Um, it was first reported as four years, 80 million. He signed that, unsurprisingly, he signed that, and then the Bulls matched within like two hours. Normally teams just leave it out there and at least let the Kings have their cap space locked up for a couple of days, but uh, they matched straight away. I was actually more surprised at the Bulls matching, to be honest, than I was uh, in the original offer from Sacramento. But I'm not sure how you sort of saw saw all that play out. I liked it from Sacramento's point of view. I'll be honest. I thought, this is a team who doesn't have their pick next year. 
Mm. Zach's a bit of a, you know, he's still young enough. He's got some upside. I thought it was an overpay, but I, I actually liked it. Well, they have to right? overpay. Uh, I, They're always going to overpay. I go, that was not a crazy, I go, I thought they priced it at a number where it would make it really hard for Chicago to match. So yeah. I, I liked that. That was one of the moves of Vladi Divac I really liked. And then the Bulls match two hours later. And so I think with the story going, right, is, is Zach's been hurt, right, and a little bit offended that the Bulls have done nothing and said nothing. And he came out in the media and said, look, I felt yes, when it was come to light that he'd signed the offer sheet saying, look, I, I felt far more wanted by Sacramento than by my own team. And from Chicago's point of view, they're like, look, we always said, go see what price you can get. We're going to match it, basically, is now their story now. Mm. And they did, like literally within two hours um, yeah, well, that was like a goodwill gesture, wasn't it, to Zach it was. like, straight away to do that? Like, yeah. look, it's a no-brainer for <laughs> mm. us. And I think I think I was tweeting you offline or texting offline saying, look, as, as crazy as we still think that one-sided that the Jimmy Butler trade was um, was made from what Garpax did, they could you couldn't possibly keep your job and let Zach Levine run, you know, for, to save yourself what? What do you think he's really worth? Maybe four years 60 would probably been a fair deal 15 so i thought it was a no-brainer for guard basically what's left of that you know left of that trade so Mm. uh, i don't know if geez the the team's not going to play any defense in chicago um but so yeah what what are the bulls building i almost don't know if that's a relevant question yet or does anyone as i said when the as the season goes on we'll we'll obviously find out more about how Zach Levine fits into the the future of that team. He's still only young, obviously, but I just thought it seemed to me, given that they let it run on, and and that was a bit of an overpay from where he, they were probably valuing him, that they would uh, they wouldn't match and probably look at the move on. But, but uh, they're, they're I also think, back. as long as he doesn't have a, the other thing we've come to learn, right, is that there is injury clauses in this. So if it's something specific to his left knee, the one that the ACL was blown, so I think there's actually quite a team-friendly component to it. It was a team-friendly contract, yep. Right, I don't know exactly what that was, but there's some stipulation where they get some financial relief should he suffer another um, significant injury to that same to that same knee. So with that added element to it, I so from Zach's perspective, he's getting a really nice you know higher annual amount than most of us thought, but his trade-off is that he's giving you know some concessions in, in the fact that if he does suffer another injury and you just don't wish him the fate of Jabari Parker, but you just never know. So mm-hmm. I think it's a, it's an okay deal, right? I think it's okay. It's a, it's a defensible deal. And again, if even he stays healthy and has a, a slight improvement when he did last year, he's an 18, 20 points a game scorer, an offensive threat. No one's ever going to confuse him for, you know, um, Drew Holiday in the defensive end. Um, that's still that's not an untradeable contract for a guy of his age the first couple of years. I don't think that's a, a horrible deal at 18, 19 a year. Yeah, people have been great. panning it, but I, I don't think it's quite yeah. as bad as what, what it, it, it looked, as what look, some of the other deals looked in, say, yeah. 2016 that we've spoken about. Look, it's a no-brainer. I'd, for, I'd much rather have Aaron Gordon, who's got basically the same contract, 484 versus 478 in Levine, mm. right, where the, you know, it's a tiny rounding error. I'd have Aaron Gordon... But you know, you know, ten times out of ten in that duel. But it's not, it's not a backbreaker. Now, my question to you is: Would you rather have Zach Levine on that deal or Will Barton on his four fifty four? 
That's a good. I, I think I'd rather Levine. I mean, Barton really is yeah. a six man, isn't he? I mean, he is. That, that's where he projects to be. I don't. I, I don't ever I project the same Will Barton yeah. to be a starting player on a top team. I think he's going to be instant offense off the bench, and that's and, and a guy that can run your second unit and and do it quite well. Uh, I think he's probably. It wouldn't surprise you. He won a couple of six man of the year awards, but uh, I think Levine's got a higher ceiling than that. Uh, but having said that, if in if in three years time we said Will Barton's far better than than Levine, I wouldn't be shocked either. But as it stands at the moment, I'd prefer to have Levine on that contract than Barton on the. I would too. And Barton is who he is. He's twenty seven, twenty eight, something like that, right? So he is. He's kind of maxed out in my view. So yeah, look, it's been panned, but I I don't hate it. No. I I don't hate it for the Bulls. It is a slight overpay, but but it's not it's not a crazy contract. And there's some upside for the for the guy. If he can, you know, return to, you know, return to somewhat to form, and be a dynamic offensive threat, that can be a bit of fun there in Chicago with, with Markin and and um, um, what's his face? Who they draft? And this Wendell year? Carter. Yeah, it's a Wendell Carter. Thank you. Yeah. Who, and Chris Dunn. Don't forget Chris Dunn. He he showed some signs last year as well. So interesting team. And I think Hoiberg yeah. at least showed he can coach yeah. last year. Remember they had that uh, that winning run right in the middle of the season, which was just one of the craziest things that happened. Smacked the box a few times. Yeah, yeah. So um, they're going to be one of the one of the better league pass teams, I think, next year if they can all get up in the bet. Yeah, another something. another RFA signing, and we we saw touch on it earlier was Slow Mo Anderson out of the Spurs, got fourth for th- four years, thirty seven mil. It doesn't seem like the Spurs are going to match, although they've got until uh, tomorrow morning Australian time to actually match on that. Um, I've heard that they're not ruling it out, but I, I'd be pretty surprised if they match that contract um, at this stage. So it's Seems like he's going to be going to Memphis. Um, let's wait and see. Look, he's he's not a guy that's going to kill you on the court. He's not a guy that's going to. He's not going to win you too many games. Does he's not going to lose you too many games? He's just a nice guy to have, and it's probably about a right contract. Um, again, some I've heard some people pan this, but I just think the people that pan it probably haven't watched him play too much basketball. He's going to be a decent contributor on Memphis, and this is a team that wants to make another run at the playoffs. And we we spoke about Lakers last year. Uh, sorry, earlier. Um, about next year, there's every chance Memphis are, are going to come up, and they're going to be in 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 that mix as well. I think, providing everyone stays healthy. So that's another team the Lakers are going to be playing off against um, for that sort of yeah seven eight eight seed sort of range at the bottom end of the Western Conference playoffs. Well, of all the teams who are motivated to to win, that is one at the very near the top of my list next year because not only because they've got veterans, you know, Conley and Gasol coming back. But because there's, you know, that pick that they've traded to Boston, so it's um, right the oh, first round to Boston. It's only one to eight protected next year. So I think they want that thing to convey as fast as possible because it only goes one to six protected in 2020. It's unprotected in 2021. So I think if I'm Memphis, that's one of the many reasons I want to win as many buddy games mm-hmm. as possible. Make sure I finish, you know, whatever tenth, eleventh, twelfth. You know, in the in the draft orders so at the very bottom of the lottery, um, and make sure that pick goes to Boston now, so I can keep my picks in in twenty and twenty one and stock the sh- war chest with the uh, and stock you know, stock the chest with them um, to pair with Jaron Jackson. So that's one of the many nuances where I think I don't think that's lost on the on the um, on that front office there. Um, his name's escaping. He's yeah, Chris Wallace. Probably Chris Wallace deserves a lot of criticism, I think, over the years. But I think if he so I don't love the, I don't love this contract offer for slow mo, but if he can be a six seventh man, I, I like it. 
you know, I, I really, I'd like, especially from Boston's perspective, I don't want them getting a bloody fucking unprotected <laughs> 2021 pick, really, you know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, at, when Gasol and Conley are fucking retired in 2021, and that team is bloody terrible. I don't need Boston getting another top five pick, so... I'd love to see this. I'd love to see Memphis win 40, have that pick fall 14, 15 and, and have Boston draft the next Rashad Vaughn. So, yeah, I mean, look, if, if they, um, if, if they stay healthy, they're going to be around that sort of high thirties, low forties. They could even push up around 45 wins if everything breaks their way. But you need, but you need 70 games each from Conley and Gasol to get that. I mean, this team also could win. They could just as easily win 30 again if, you know, if those guys only play 50 games. Yeah, but I think Conley hasn't been injured in the past. I don't know you'd necessarily say he's injured prone just yet. So let's hope that he can get back on the court and and give them. Um, And a couple of the other RFAs. Clint Capella, we touched on. I think he's going to just be... They'll, they'll match whatever he gets, um, Houston. So they're sort of leaving him out there at the moment, seeing what offers come in. Marcus Smart, it's starting to appear that Marcus Smart's going to sign his qualifying offers. What I'm reading lately, there's not, there's just not a lot of cap space there left there, Daz. I think there's a lot of teams that probably would like Marcus Smart, but they're not, they're not going to offer the sort of contract that he's going to want to see for multiple years. I think he's going to bet on himself, sign the qualifying offer, and come back and uh, see what sort of money is out there, which there's going to be a lot more terms with cap space um, in the following yeah. summer. He might be one of the rare QO players who doesn't have a completely ruined relationship with the team. And, you know, the way Brad Stevens and his quote-unquote college basketball style of locker room you know, probably a little bit more welcoming, even for a guy like Smart, who's going to lose a lot of minutes this year. You know, with a, with a healthy Hayward and a, you know, and a and Kyrie back, um, and Rozier having earned you know himself some playing time. And so I think he's he'd be a little bit more of a fight for for minutes. But I of all the QO players, I don't think it's going to be a toxic, you know, Nerlens Noel type situation or anything like that. So. That's what it looks like. Um, I wouldn't rule out a sign and trade, but that seems <laughs> that seems, that seems unlikely. Yep. It does seem unlikely. Whereas the if you want to bounce next to, to Jabari, was just probably the um, well. That the was most... the next one I was going to say. Put the timer yeah, on. You've got yeah. two minutes to talk about Jabari. Uh, go. Pro- probably one of the most complicated RFAs I've I can remember. Right with the multiple ACL injuries, but when his you know when he did reach a bit of his peak. You know, after that first ACL, this guy was shooting 38, 39% from three and 20 points a game. Um, so there's still some upside there. He's not lost any of that explosiveness. He's just lost his fit on the team. And so the, the multiple tensions here is is one that Jabari, having had the two ACLs, you know, wants as much money as possible and some financial security. Number two, he thinks of himself more than Andrew Wiggins, probably type, right, drafted right behind him. Right ahead of Joel Embiid, watching those two guys sign max contracts. That's how he thinks of himself, mm. and that's his in his mind. He says, "If I didn't have these injuries or these injuries, I'd be right there with with Embiid." And he's got, you know, he's not Embiid's level, but that's the way he thinks. And so I think the bottom of the market in, J- in Jabari's mind is like an Aaron Gordon market. That twenty million a year is really where his head is at, and the Bucks are a million miles away from that. So from the Bucks' perspective, though, right, the last thing you want is this guy playing on a qualifying offer, um, because if you're a QO and a guy who's played uh, has had two ACL tears, how are you going to be thinking and feeling, right? You can you could never be your uh, your best self 
because you'd be constantly terrified of another injury with no financial security, um, but at the same time needing to play as hard and as much as you can to try and get yourself a big contract. So QO is is absolutely is almost as impossible as, as one could imagine. The downside, right, is no one's got cap space left, bar perhaps um, Brooklyn. Um, well, I think Sacramento, who obviously Sacramento, made the offer to uh, Brooklyn. And, uh, no, and Atlanta, <laughs> Atlanta has some space. So, so in terms of pure offer sheets, right? There's the numbers of teams are just literally you can count on, on half a hand, and they don't seem likely to do it. And so you've got this stalemate where the player thinks he's a max type player, but he has a horrible injury history. So he really wants some financial security, but there's no market out there for him because the cap space is gone. At the same time, the Bucks are going to be hard capped and don't have much space underneath the, the, the apron to sign him. And they wouldn't want him on anything more than a one plus one probably anyway. Mm-hmm. And would the player accept it? So I go, there's almost this no win situation where I go, the only, the healthiest outcome is if you can find the right team to do a sign and trade, the right team who can give him say with a sign and trade, you have to have a minimum three year contract. Um, only the first year has to be guaranteed. So I would, I would have to, I'd have to pontificate. I'd have to, you know, I don't know who this team is, but it opens up more teams who might be interested in, say, a let's say fifteen million dollar a year type range. So pay the guy a little more, like right, like Will Barton, you know, or like Zach Levine. If someone wants to pay him in that range, that would give Jabari some financial security. It's life changing money for him and his family. It also lets him hit free agency again, and he's say twenty six years old, which he'd still be young enough by that point. And hopefully the Bucks would get a little bit of an asset in return for him. So the trick is those aren't easy to do. You know, he need, they need to negotiate in both, you know, both directions. Mark Bargelstein's his, his agent need to negotiate on you know both sides of the fence to make sure that the willing team, you know, is paying the right amount of money and the, and the Bucks are interested enough in an asset to do it. So it's, it's not easy to pull off. Um, but the Bucks have done it before. Right. This was the the Brandon Jennings for Brandon Knight and Chris Middleton was a basically an S and T type deal. So that's the most likely. A QO is the absolute terrifying worst. Nerlens Noel times ten situation that nobody wants. And I think it's sign and trade, or perhaps if it gets late in the in the season or the post sorry the off season, I could see the Bucks just sort of going look Jabari. Here's one year, sixteen million. Every dollar we have, you know, minus a little bit, to let maybe the Bucks sign some min player, a min player or two, a one year, fifteen million, you know, KCP type deal, to go. We love you, we want you, but we cannot have you playing on the QO mm-hmm. forever. For, for it anyone. might be interesting. They might do what the Spurs did with John Simmons and just renounce him and say, look, just go out there as a UFA and see what's what's out there for you as well. Well. You would have had to do that on July first to give him a fair market because there's there's no market for him and he's not going to go sign a, you know, an MLE type deal, right? So I think it's more likely. So you're right, but that he's just too valuable of an asset. Um, I think probably more valuable than a John Simmons to say the least. So, so I think the three like the options are a sign and trade somewhere with the, I don't know an Orlando, a Brooklyn, a I think he'd be a fit on Dallas. Um, the teams like that who are still a bit asset starved and got some space for him um, in some minutes and who would like some offense. There's a lot of been rumors about 
Utah. Um, you know, they they have some movable deals, but and I think the Utah's roster is kind of filling up unless you can yeah, I can't play, see play the yeah you know, play the Jonas. I think Atlanta is interesting. I mean, I could see Atlanta saying, you know what, let's just take a roll of the dice and, and see what what we could get him for. If you get him on a nice deal and he does blow up next year, that's a nice piece for them. But they're probably. I think they'd be more worried he might win them an extra five to ten games and, and put them out of out of the range where they want to be. You know, it's he's not another a guy that's going to... Yeah, it's a good yeah. fit in a sense because you've yeah. got, you, you're then saying, well, we're going to go forward with John Collins, uh, Jabari, Tayshon Prince, and obviously the Huerta and uh, Trey Young, who they've just drafted. <laughs> Torian Prince, not Tayshon. Tayshon, that's funny. <laughs> they signed Tayshon as well. Torian Prince, yeah. yeah, they might as well, yeah. So, um, yeah, so, yeah, so that's a, a pretty, that's a five you yeah. could actually move forward with and make yeah. sense. So, I think Atlanta's an interesting one, but I, I'm just not sure that they, that Jabari may not move the needle quite enough for them, and he might sort of move it just enough to to take him out of a nice draft pick next year, which is which is yeah. not not the right thing for them. So, we'll see how that plays out. As um, from here couple of us, so just let me touch on a few um, UFA signings and I'll get your quick takes on these. I'll start with the worst signing that I've seen in the off-season so far. I'm interested to see if you agree on this. Avery Bradley, two years, $25 million to the Clippers. Can you explain you this one like to me? I hated this deal. They've got an overload of guards. This is a guy that hasn't played well in two seasons. Injury prone, going to an injury prone, a team full of injury prone players. I said welcome to irrelevancy when they let Blake Griffin go. Well, it's good to see that they're staying right where they are in terms of irrelevancy. I wouldn't have minded it as a one-year $12 million or something, but two years, $25 million for a player that has shown nothing for two seasons? I, I, win me over. What's what's the thinking here? The thinking's wishful thinking. The thinking is, right, they're owned by a, you know, a super competitive billionaire, who doesn't have the the temerity, right? The stomach for a complete, uh, you know, a, t- a tank job. So I think the thinking is that you know we've got uh, what do we got? Patrick <laughs> Beverly, Avery Bradley. Maybe well, they still got Tedoshich as well, and they and they've drafted guard after guard after guard, guard after yeah. guard. Their last four draft picks have all been guards. So what are you doing in, in LA? What's going you're on? Just, you're waiting for Kawhi. That's what you're doing. Well, you know? good luck with that. Look, I didn't. I, LA, you've, you've hit your headline was the was the was the bottom line as well, which is there. This is irrelevant. Like, yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, Avery Bradley was you know, like you said, he's not really a player. He's a nice guy. He's a good theoretical player. It's a good theoretical backcourt with Patrick Beverly. If you want two seventh men in your starting backcourt, you know, that's well, what's great. there? They're going to have Beverly, uh, Bradley, Tob- uh, Tobias Harris, uh, uh, Gallinari, and Montrez Harrell. That's their starting five. No, they're, they're Marcin, all nice. Marcin Gortat. Oh, well, you're assuming Gortat's going to start, I suppose. So they got Gortat. <laughs> I'd, I'd start Harrell personally, but. Okay, so that, that's their stuff. Now, in a vacuum, they're terrible. all nice players, but there's that's not one really good player. It's an that awful team. team. They're, that's, they're going to drop way back. That's a that's a 30-win team, maybe. Right, so let's oh, I, I think look. it's probably a 35-win team, which is the worst place to be in the NBA. The worst place to be. Oh, look, you mark my words. Where are they going to finish? The 15 teams in the West, if they finish above... There's not finishing, but twelve. Well, there may be a two seed in the East, but yeah, I agree. Dallas, Sac- 
Phoenix and Memphis are going to be way better. Dallas will be entertaining, but not a ton better, right? Dallas will bump up a bit. So I think Clippers and Sacramento are pretty clearly the two two worst teams. Dallas, yeah, but if Sacramento. you know you're going to be, this is the other thing about the signing days. If you know you're going to be one of the worst teams, why bring a guy, a guy like this in? I just anyway, I, I don't know. I don't understand. Uh, yeah, it's only two years. Look, I yeah. Look, well, nothing, we've just spent three minutes no talking about no the Clippers. Yeah. Well, we just spent three minutes talking about them. I don't think we'll spend another three minutes all next season <laughs> talking about this team. We so, might not. congratulations on trading Blake Griffin, all the geniuses there in LA. I'll move from the worst signing of, or my least favourite signing of the offseason to my favourite signing of the offseason. And that was Boo Leacher to the Sixers. The Sixers brought back JJ Redick as well, but. I couldn't believe Berlutzer didn't get more offers, Daz. This was a guy that was the leading three-point shooter in the NBA uh, last season in terms of percentage. And, and and I watched a number of Wolves games, and I just thought, this guy on a, on a higher IQ basketball team and a team that needs shooting, and certainly Philly fit that mould that they, they need shooting. I mean, look at the poo-poo platter that they've surrounded LeBron James with. This would have been a much better <laughs> signing in L.A., than, um, than than the rubbish that they signed. Certainly Lance Stevenson. You'd rather be Lutzer than Lance Stevenson, surely. Surely better than Marco Bellinelli. Surely better than Ursula. <laughs> it Julius was exactly Silva. right. It is. Like, why That's did the Spurs, the Spurs blow their load on Bellinelli? The, the Bucks blow their load on Ursan? Where was where were they on this guy? Oh, this is this is amazing to me. This is a great signing for the, for the Sixers, but where were the rest of the NBA with this guy? Yep, asleep. Asleep at the uh, wheel. This guy, to me, was was one guy that would have been worth the the well, maybe not the Avery Bradley contract. That's going a bit far, but certainly more than what he got, and longer years than what he got at the Sixers as well. My favorite comparison is that the New York Knickerbockers paid two million more dollars for Mario Hezonia. <laughs> I go, really? You're gonna you're gonna pretend that he hasn't played in three years, and you don't have all this tape? on a player who has no interest in being in the NBA. So that's what that for me is my favorite because they signed about the same time, didn't they? So I love that the Knicks paid Hazonia, but wouldn't want to touch Bielika who can shoot 40% from downtown. You know, oh, he's going to be wide open in Philly too. Don't forget that was he's a clogged toilet. Yeah, you're talking about the clogged toilet offense in Minnesota yeah, compared true. to the space he's going to have to operate uh, receiving passes from Ben Simmons. Uh, in true. Philadelphia, this this guy's going to kill it next year, and he's going to get a big payday. Um, it's, it's a hey, smart you know. signing for him. He's going to get a big payday uh, come the twenty twenty. Reddick is back. Oh, twenty nine. They summer. got the Jonah Bolden's gone. Eric well, they had back. a guy too that scored forty points in the summer league. He was injured all the last Furkan year. Furkan Cormas. Yeah. Right. So um, he and he points. can play too. So and and the only reason he didn't play big minutes last year um, was a hand injury. Was a hand or a foot? Oh, a hand or a foot injury. But anyway, he's he's back. Jonah Bolden's back this year. Oh, gee, it's looking good in Philly. That, that's a good point. We, we might move to just have a quick discussion about the Eastern Conference next year. Who do Can you just, think? One, one real quick. I, sorry to interrupt. I, I definitely want to talk about that. I go. I want to finish the conversation about the worst worst signings. Right. So we got we've got um, uh, who's the one you hated, Bradley. Bradley was my worst, and Boo Lutzer was my best. Yes. So who would you who would you rather have, MCW or Nick Stauskas? Unbelievable, unbelievable deaths. What? 
these guys both got jobs. The, crap, Houston, have, but this is the get, thing. Like, I'll give Portland the benefit of that in the sense that your Stasky guy's going to sit on the end of the bench. You're probably not going to see him. Houston, I think there's some expectation that Malcar Williams is going to play for them. This is it. This is a position of, of need. Is. This is a position yeah. of need for them, Daz. They needed a backup point guard for Chris Paul's minutes, right? And they actually cut Aaron Jackson. I would have preferred to just keep Aaron Jackson on the roster than sign Carter Williams. What and and what an anti Mike D'Antoni player. Well, the theory goes he can play defense. Well, that's that's he can, he can he play, can play s- theoretical defense. Yeah, and super 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 poor man's Joe Johnson, where he can kind no, of you know no. throw his body around and occasionally shoot a no. you know twelve footer. No, no. Look, no, believe me. So you so you take Stauskas then? Honestly, if Carter Williams signed for my Wollongong Hawks in the NBL, <laughs> I would be apoplectic. <laughs> I'd like, rather have Brad Watermaker. <laughs> <laughs> Like, he is just not a good basket. And that's a shame because he did show some promise as a rookie. But injuries and just bad habits and low IQ and, and whatever else you want to throw in there. And this this thing, he's a good defender. He is a he was a part of that Milwaukee team that, that had good defensive stats. But everything about Michael Carter Williams is theoretical, Daz. In practice, he doesn't bring anything. When he was confident, he, again, I watched him a lot. When he was confident... He was a really good defender. He was disruptive, and he he was good at the point of attack. I will say when he was confident and when he was younger, but we've obviously seen nothing of value for for multiple years now. But um, anyway, that's that's as best as I got as a theoretical logic for this for the Rockets is he can come in and defend. That's that's all I got, Daz. Well, <laughs> Portland it. Portland interesting too. They signed oh, Seth Curry. Portland. And yet they let Shabazz Napier go. I, the Shabazz Napier one is a is a head scratcher to me because I would have preferred to bring Napier back rather than Seth Curry and Nick oh, Nick Stauskas. No I'm wonder they're riding one, in the streets. I'm going to go one one better. Yusuf Nurkic for four years, forty eight million, but let Ed Davis go, who signed a one year, five million deal with the Nets. Mm. I go one. Sorry, one four point four million. I literally would rather have Ed Davis on one year four million than having Nurkic for four years forty eight. Because then again, that is your <laughs> what is their obsession with middle class retards? Like another twelve well, million dollars. Well, I think the thing player. about this is a plus minus champion. So this is this is now the analytics side of the things. I think with Nurkic, he was a defensive oh. plus minus champion last year. Their defensive stats when he was on the court were outstanding. I'm going to make a prediction for you now, Daz. The, their plus-minus defensive stats are going to revert very much back to the mean when he's yeah. on the court next year because I've not seen anything from Yusuf Nurkic with the eye test to tell me that he is an outstanding defender. Right? No. I just haven't seen it. And yet the stats bore that out. Now, the stats can be... You know, it, it, it could be just as simple as guys missing open threes and things like this when when the defensive plus minuses look really good. Now, I'm not suggesting that's what it is. I'm sure there's people in the, the Portland organisation that have sort of looked at those sort of things, but I think they're falling in love with this guy from an analytics point of view rather than an eye test point of view. And I get he's only 23, and I think there is some upside there, but I, I don't like the guy's attitude towards the game. I think he's a little bit of a zonier in that, in that sense. Um, and I think, too, don't forget, last season was a contract year for this guy. 
Now he yeah. just got paid. Yeah. I'm very, very hesitant about a guy that doesn't love playing basketball quite clearly, has a questionable work ethic, getting not what's not a massive contract. It's not like you've you've paid him, you know, twenty million a year, but it's a it's a reasonable contract. And I think four you're going years to though. see four years too. And, he, and he's got so have he's got security now. From, have they learned nothing from Alan Crabb and Evan Turner and Myers Leonard? And have they learned nothing? Well, if he yeah, just if so. his game goes in the tank next year, what are they going to do? He complete, he'd be untradeable. He becomes the next Moskov. They go, he's unfit. He can barely play 25 minutes a game. He's never had any commitment to his body or to getting no. healthy or to getting fit. He can't shoot free throws. They go, he obviously, he can't well, shoot anything. What's the over-under on the number of kilos he, he turns up overweight? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Five kilos over, right? I mean, honestly, so I thought, so of all the things I hated, so I hated this way more than I hated Avery Bradley. At least Avery Bradley is only two years, and the Clippers don't matter, and that's, you know, he fits into cap space. This is a, a team who, right, is so cap-strapped. Just the, the, the logic, the illogic of letting such an ineffective, low-cost player like Ed Davis go for $4 million and then you insist on paying Yusuf Nurkic 12, three times. He's going to be triple the production of mm. of Ed Davis this year. Is that what you're telling me? Then I don't think Portland has watched their own player. Ed Davis is a nice, serviceable, you know, 15 to 18-minute-a-night big, right, who can play defense and play smart team defense and, you know, very efficient around the hoop, shot 58% from the floor last year, shot as many three-pointers as as Nurkic did, basically zero. And I go, that that to me is a smart use of asset by the Nets, right? And a terrible use of of, of just of, of asset in, in Portland. So mm. so anyway, the more I unpacked the, these signings, the more I'm realizing there's still there's still some low IQ low IQ stuff out there, Daz. Mm. Well, the final two signings I talked about before we quickly look at the Eastern Conference picture is uh, Utah have bought back Derek Favors and Dante Exum. Really happy about Dante Exum, three years, 33 mil. Uh, we'll, we'll wait and see, I guess, how that contract looks in, in you know the end of next year. But I like the signs I saw from Dante Exum were really, really positive uh, towards the end of last year. And I think that that's a bet on potential. And I think it's probably a fair one. And look, Favors had a good year. They stuck with the Favors-Gobert combination for quite a bit of the year. Uh, and obviously Favors hit the big shot um, to get them past OKC in the first round of the playoffs as well. I actually wouldn't have minded seeing Favors go somewhere else to be honest. I'm not sure he'll ever reach his full potential there in Utah. But it's, it's I guess I can understand them bringing the same turn back and saying, let's Let's roll it back out and see, you know, how much better Donovan Mitchell's going to be in year two, and obviously Gobert uh, if he gives them eighty-two games, yeah, um, or certainly closer to it than he gave them last year. What's their what their ceiling's going to be? Love the Exum deal. Get a bit bit expensive for what you've seen. This is paying for potential, um, but I, I love that he's back. I didn't I didn't really understand the favors one. I'll be honest. I mean, I think they only just made it work, but man, him and him and Gobert on the floor at the same time, and that's a boy, that's a fine orchestration to get them to play and yet have enough space for anyone to do anything. So I, I didn't love eighteen million a year for for favors on this team. I'll be honest, as good guy, good player, good good citizen, good teammate, good rebounder. He's good, but man, eighteen million a year. I thought that was a bit. 
thought that was a bit dear. Didn't you think that was a bit... I thought it was. was. As I said, I I would have preferred him. I I think 18 million's fine for him on the right team, but I'm I'm still not convinced Utah's the right team for him, and I agree. I think they made it work to a point last year. I don't think it really worked in the series against Houston. And at the end of the day, that's who they're trying to beat. I mean, I don't think they're going to beat Golden yeah. State, but I think they give themselves a puncher's chance against Houston if everything fell their way. And, and Favors probably doesn't quite fit. Um, I like him. I said I like him next to a you know to a a Jokic or a Carl Anthony Towns or a, an AD, right? Some some of these you know stretchier unicorn fives or. Dare I say, even like a you know a zinger or something? I thought he just would fit nicer next to a you know a player like that rather than Rudy. But yeah, mm. look, the Jazz are building something. That's so why I, I, I give the Jazz a lot of benefit of the doubt there. I didn't love that deal, but in in Quinn we trust, and in Donovan we trust, and I guess there's a you know uh, there's some some value to continuity as well. So yeah. And the final free agent deal uh, that we want to talk about tonight, Tyreek Evans to Indiana. And that, I guess, can lead us into the Eastern Conference um, uh, uh, view, I guess, for next year. Tyreek to, to Indiana, they also signed Doug McDermott, who I didn't, I didn't mind that signing. I, the Tyreek one, I think, is okay. I mean, that's obviously a bit of bench points um, for them. You would think it, that's, that's where he's going to come in. So it's a bit more instant offense off the bench. Uh, nice part of their second unit. Where do you think Indiana sort of sits now? Because I think they obviously gained a lot of respect from people the way they went about it last year to get the five seed and then pushed Cleveland uh, to seven games, pushed them, I think, harder than anyone else did in the Eastern Conference. But where are they sitting? They're probably still in the 4-5 range, aren't they, Um, the way it stands at the moment? I think it's a no-brainer. Boston-Philly kind of won two, right? Um Oh, I don't sleep on Toronto in the regular season again. Uh, Yeah, okay, let's put them three then. But I'm not putting Toronto one next year. Boston, for me, is a no-brainer one at this point, right? Uh, Cleveland, forget that. Yeah, so I think that that, middle class between Indiana, Milwaukee, and Daz, can we please talk about Washington? Um, (laughs) How could we miss that? We could spend two hours talking about that. Well, this is what I'm saying with the Eastern Conference. I mean, it is it is a yeah. train wreck. Like it falls it away so badly disgrace. after Milwaukee, it is disgraceful. Yeah. It is really. We are going to have like that. You've now got there's, there's your five teams. So Toronto, who no one yeah. respects, Indiana, who who knows, and and Indiana could fall down if Vic Oladipo gets injured. They're not a playoff team, uh, and obviously Milwaukee. We'll see what Buds does there. Who's the six, seven, eight seeds in the East next year? I think you just just delete, <laughs> just a control X, you know, move to trash, you know, uh, power off. That's what I'm saying. I yeah, think look, Charlotte's I think Indiana, probably a six seed, maybe Indiana, Detroit. Yeah, oh, Miami. So Indiana and Milwaukee, those are that's a credible four or five seed. Now Indiana and Milwaukee, let's say those are four and five. How do those compare against Utah and New Orleans? I, mm. I still don't. I still, yeah. The bottom of the East is atrocious, and the top of the East is weaker. But the middle class of the East isn't isn't bad. Well, I think we said that last year. Yeah, Uh, but the problem with the East last year, they just they they rolled over so badly. Uh, Well, particularly Toronto. I think the East would have looked better had Toronto put up more of a fight against 
Cleveland. They I would think have, that was just been so a, stark when they, That's right. when they yeah. folded the way they did. It made it look probably worse than maybe what it was. But certainly next year, I mean, that, that five, as I say, Miami don't scare anyone as a potential six seed. And then you've probably got Detroit and um, and Charlotte. But, I mean, and as, you, as you, to your point, Washington, I mean, who's bringing Dwight Howard in at this point? And Ernie Grunfeld. Like, for any amount of money. Look, honestly, if you said that Dwight Howard would pay Milwaukee $10 million to sit on their roster next year, would you you be in, yes or no? No. No way. (laughs) Imagine him with Giannis. He'd be worse than Jason Kidd. No. Not even... No, you couldn't pay me to want... No. No way. So, uh, there's not going to be... Oh, so, okay. The East, right? Um, we will talk about the most impossible, thankless coaching jobs thrust upon people. Jeff Hornacek, right, won that award, you know, with spades. You know, the year he had to endure, uh, endure feel. I think he had the hardest, thankless coaching job without question. Without, it's not even close. That job goes to Scotty Brooks this year. The most thankless, um, soulless um, if he doesn't develop a cocaine and hooker habit, I would, couldn't believe it. Scotty Brooks, imagine him coaching Dwight Howard, Markeith Morris, Austin Rivers, and the two peop- his two best players who hate each other, Wall and Beal. Good luck with that. Oh, yeah, by the way, you got Jan Mahindi as your best six, six man. I go, you go Scotty oh. Brooks. Seriously, Daz. That is the most, it's just, oh, I forgot. Jeff Green. (laughs) You can't make this up. So you thought Lance, JaVale, and Rondo was a joke? This is a team, Dwight, Markeith, Austin Rivers, Jeff Green, and Wallen Beal, who effing hate each other. So I go, the only way this works out well is if, if they implode so publicly by Thanksgiving that it gets everybody fired and John Wall traded for, you know, scraps. Because I can't trade a max contract for scraps. But this is either going to fail spectacularly or fail really, really spectacularly. Like, there, really, seriously, is there a greater train wreck in the league than, than Washington? Well, Minnesota this is going to be, be... Last year we did movies for everyone's off-season. I mean, this is War of the Roses, isn't it? This is, just, oh, this is going to end in tears. <laughs> I think this is saving Private Ryan. Private Ryan is fucking Scotty Brooks. You need a SWAT team to go in there, to go into the bloodbath and try and get this poor little blonde kid out of that situation. That is going to be. What about poor Otto Porter as well? You didn't even mention Otto Porter. He's part of the rotation. Well, He's the other guy. Maybe you rescue the both of them. It's a, it's a two well, for one. That's it. So, oh my God, Dan. Yeah. So, yeah, that's what Washington did. Traded for Austin Rivers. Signed Jeff Green and Dwight Howard. Oh my God! Well, if That's they the make best. the playoffs, I think Scott Brooks coach of the year. To me. Well, forget wins and losses, Daz. Wins actually might be easier to win games than it will be to to manage that locker room, and I that is not an exaggeration. Mm, I mean, they're possible. gonna. They're, you imagine playing, you know, ten game road trip against Detroit, Charlotte, Knicks, Brooklyn Nets, Chicago Bulls, Orlando Magic, Atlanta Hawks. Right? You just roll. Right? You can rack up. You know, you can win 10 in a row without even blinking in the East. So they can do that with John Wall and Bradley Beal and Otto Porter. And hell, Dwight can still go 15 and 10. He will. 
Um, but, oh, man, when something goes wrong, that's going to be awesome. So, man, we've got some theater building with the pressure cooker in Minnesota, the reality TV show in Los Angeles, the, uh, you know, and this drama on the East Coast. Um, and I guess just bouncing around the East as, as we are, I think it's going to be an interesting story, just how how um, we haven't talked about it much yet, but with Gordon Hayward coming back and presumably playing a lot because he's been paid $180 million. So he's probably going to play, you know, like a lot for, you know, like his best friend, Brad Stevens. Mm. What's that going to do to, what's that going to do to the Rosiers, the Smarts, the Browns, the Tatums? Um, maybe Brad's so, so masterful. He's got a way that everyone can play 30 minutes a game, but question mark, will that affect the trajectory of the Jalen's and the Tatum's in particular. Oh, I think that's a bit overblown. I think Marcus Morris is going to be the guy that misses out and, and maybe the Marcus Smart yeah. and Terry Rozier. I think that'll be a bit more seamless than what people, you reckon? Are, people are expecting right. um, next year. Well, yeah, year like I said, it's possible. You can find 30 minutes for everybody. Yeah, Morris takes a bit of a backseat. That's fine. But it's, I'm just saying that, you know, <coughs> when Jalen and, and Tatum had the ball in their hands a lot, especially in the postseason, you know, now that Hayward and Kyrie are back, that's just going. That's going to be a very different team than the one that we saw, right? The the darling through the playoffs, you know, um, with the way that again, particularly the way Jalen and, and and Tatum were used. I think it's just a. It's worth watching. It's a non-zero. It's a non. It's not a non-event. Slotting him back in. It's an event. Mm. Um, nice problem if you're if you're Boston. But yeah, uh, you'd rather have that problem watch. than yeah. find, trying to find minutes at, at center for John Henson and um, who else? Well, Christian bus- Wood. Christian Wood. Yeah. Well, we can talk about <laughs> Christian Wood. Uh, the, Brandon McCoy. The last uh, couple of free agents. So there's still a couple of guys. Isaiah Thomas is still out there. Does um, Orlando? I've sort of been dancing around him, but doesn't appear that Orlando are going to bring him in. So I'm not sure what'll happen to Isaiah Thomas. He might end up on my Wollongong Hawks uh, yet. Um, but I'm sure he'll sort of land somewhere, probably look at the one year deal, put up some numbers and maybe go back into free agency again next year. Uh, Camelo Anthony is going to be bought out, it seems, um, if he hasn't already done so, from OKC. So he's a guy that actually could go out there and, and I think could help some teams. Uh, there's talk about him going to LA, so that's another dad's of the poo-poo platter that they've got there. And Brooke Lopez is probably the other big name at the moment who has some value, I think, um, and again, going to the right team. But it feels like all three of those guys Maybe a one-year deal. Maybe Melo takes takes a couple more years, but a one-year deal, and then they need to free agency. But any any sort of of those three that sort of stand out to you at the moment that you're interested in seeing where they go? Isaiah, and who was the other two? Isaiah, Melo, and Brooke Lopez. Isaiah, I'd rather see him in China than in some, like, where is he? Like, if it's not... Well, I did say, I said he might end up on Marvel and the Hawks next year. It could happen. Honestly, he, he might be overseas... Because a guy needs to try and score 20 points a game again, right? And I go, there's no NBA team that's going to want him to do that. So if you're Orlando or Atlanta, you're in full-blown tank mode. You don't want him scoring 25 points a game, and you don't want him stunting the development of um, you know, your younger players, which he will inevitably do. So I, I do, you do feel for the guy, don't you? Um, but, yeah, I don't care where he ends up. I just want him to – I hope he's all right. It, He's such, he's such an easy guy to cheer for, right? What he's gone through the last 15 months is is pretty awful. Um, 
Carmelo, uh, he has to end up on a shitty team. But I go, who, again, who's going to want him? And I don't think he's going to – I think the market conditions are going to finally tell Carmelo who he is, which is a you know 20-minute night off the bench. Um, Michael Beasley is really the role mm-hmm. he's going to have to play because he's, he's not going to want to – because, again, same argument I use for Isaiah. You know, the Knicks or the Nets or the Hawks or the – you know, the Kings or the Suns, you know, the, the the bottom feeders of the NBA don't want a player like Carmelo, right, taking 25 shots a game. And he also, with his ego, he's going to want to go, you know, wants to be a starter somewhere. So barring a devastating injury, the market's going to probably show him that he's, what, again, a bench player. So I don't know. I, I think he'll end up with a Lakers. I think LeBron will give him, he'll throw him a life raft. And he'll end up over there. Yeah, I say Lakers or Lakers, maybe the Rockets. I could see him off the bench, um, coming in and just you know mm, shooting. Yeah, that's shooting. probably not. That's not. That's Def- not necessarily a good thing at the moment. I, I don't. I don't yeah. like him at all on the Rockets. I'd. I'd. I'd hate that signing because he doesn't play no. any defense. So they're they're a very good defensive team. So now you're. Well, neither does Ryan Anderson. So he's sort of like the. Yeah, but Ryan Anderson didn't play. So you you. Assuming he's going to play, he can't shoot anymore, Des. Like, he's not a good shooter. What does he bring to the table anymore? Um, well, maybe he'll go to New Orleans then. You know? I, I don't, don't know. know. I just, honestly, I, I don't, don't know. I don't know what, yeah, I, we'll wait and see. I'm maybe he just wasn't used right in, in OKC last year. Well, that's and, what and, he said, but I go, the, the I way he wants to be used case. is high usage and the ball in his hand. You know, that's what he wants is high usage and ball in... You know, to catch the ball, take two dribbles, and pull up. You know, yeah. that's what he wants to do. What about you know, the... Who the who, who's well, going to let him do that? Mm, oh, Orlando, maybe. No, <laughs> the Kings. No, way. <laughs> no I, oh, look, no. I think I think he's. I think you're right. I think it's going to be a bench unit, a team that says, "Look, we need some scoring for our bench unit," um, and let's let him come in and and just run and and sort of chuck it or gun it um, when he comes off the bench. And uh, the Lakers, in a sense, you can sort of see it. That, well, that, you're just that happening there. We're basically just writing the chat. You're just you're writing the preamble for him to go sign in Golden State, right? They weren't going to pay anything for him. They pay a couple million bucks, and you go, all right, what's no, the plan? No, I don't. He won't do that. He won't do that. You don't think so? No, I, I think he'll get. A, I think he'll go to a team that's got a little bit more money than like the veterans minimum for a year. But maybe yeah, there's no his, one else out there. His I'm buyout's sure. going to be twenty million, right? He's going yeah, to make true. twenty million dollars to not play. You know, so but I don't think OKC I can't see that happening. And look, I honestly, I wouldn't care. I hope he does because it's it's not going to move the needle for them at all. So, and I don't even think you'd see him once playoff starts. No, he wouldn't. But. But, yeah, so... Anyway, a guy to yeah. watch. Certainly a guy, an interesting guy to watch. Maybe, look, Indiana, I guess. There's there's a team you want to talk... Well, I suppose they just signed Tyreek Evans. I'm just sort of trying to think of teams that might need a little bit of extra scoring off their you bench. Know, and just, you Dallas, know, Dallas, there you go. You want to go, gonna go yeah, shoot? Okay, yeah, okay. There, there's a team that can give you 15 shots a game. And that's what, the, that's what you're going to be confronted with, I think, is teams who are going nowhere who don't have anything to gain or lose by by adding him, or he's playing completely worthless basketball, or he goes and has a small role on a winning team, we're going to learn a little bit about Carmelo now, aren't we? Mm. Is, does he have the ability to self-evaluate? 
and do what Dwayne Wade has done and understand that his role in the league is to be right only a spot player and to, you know only take over you know pieces of games or you know one game a week occasionally like Dwayne Wade does. I go he just needs to look at his brother Wade and go how have you done it? How have you transitioned a lot more elegantly into a you know in a support role? Mm. Oh, granted, you know, Wade's had some ups and downs with Cleveland and Chicago before he's bounced back to Miami, but that's where he's landed. So he's going to have to grow up and get a dose of humility and realize who he is. So if he does that, I think he'll have a you know a decent enough you know next few years, you know, playing playing you know some six man, seventh man offensive ball. But if he doesn't, he'll disappear. Well, the final guy to talk about that they'll mention was Brooke Lopez. I mean, could the Bucks have said, let's give Ersan's money to Brooke Lopez? Yeah, that's interesting. I've thought about that as well. I go, considering that he's developed a three-point shot, I'm surprised that no one's made a move on him. So, look, they can still fit him in if he's going to get veterans minimum, and I think there's going to be a ton of centers, or there, there are a ton of centers still on the market. So, and his price tag's dropping every single day. I'd be surprised if he earns more than a, you know, two, three million a year at this point. But yeah, he'll be, he'd be useful for somebody. I think he's another guy that's going to go somewhere, you know, just a one year deal. So, and then see if he can get a better deal or more years um, next year when, when a number of teams have, have the cap cap space and a bit more money. Hey, um, look, if Salamedri can get 1.6 and Davis can get 4.4 million, you know, there's, there's, there's a market for Brooke. You know, there's a market. He'll he'll get somewhere. I think it's going to be interesting Come. to see where he lands. If he does land the contender, I think he's he's certainly a guy that can contribute um, in the right environment. Yeah, yeah. So. Look, if Luke again, Luke Cornett can get paid, then you know, so should so should Brooks. So um, yeah, we'll yeah. see. He'll get somewhere. So quickly, last thing I want to talk about, Daz, I'm not sure if you've caught any of the summer league. I've caught a little bit of it so far. So they've had the Utah and Sacramento uh, portions of the event. They've now moved to Las Vegas. So all the teams have now played at least one game in the summer league. What sort of stood out to me is that the rookies, and probably not unsurprisingly, they're they're all struggling, particularly with their shooting. Trey Young was awful in his first few games. He was actually even awful today. He, he put up points, but um, he hasn't shot over, I think, 33% in any of the games yet. Uh, Jaron Jackson had one really good game, uh, but he's been quiet since then. And most of the rookies, as I say, they've, 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 not, they've not really shone the way that the second-year guys that have had the, that year in the NBA have really shone. And that's Derek White for San Antonio has put up some really good numbers. Christian Wood, who we touched on from Milwaukee, he was their best player today. Uh, Tony Bradley at Utah is a forgotten guy from last year's draft uh, that they drafted a little bit later in the draft. He had a really nice game for them as well. Uh, Cormaz, who we mentioned earlier in Philly. So some of those second-year guys are really taking the opportunity and, and I guess giving you some something to see that these guys could be part of the uh, the rotations going forward next year. But the rookies who have been a bit more excited to see, you know, Marvin Bagley played, I think, twenty something minutes and didn't t- and took two shots uh, in one of his games. So some of these the rookies are just finally a little bit tougher um, to showcase their talents at this stage. But have you seen any of the any of the summer league yet? Any takeaways that you yeah, had just from that? Just highlights. So I went watching highlights and tracking sort of the news and and tracking some box scores. I obviously saw Jaron Jackson was so far the highlight for me. He was eight for thirteen from downtown, scored like twenty eight points. That first game, I saw him shoot a pick-and-pop three. 
I shoot him, saw him shoot a sort of step back three very fluidly, so get little flashes and, and eye test sort of stuff. Um, looked really good from Jaron Jackson. I saw, um, again, highlights of Wendell Carter. Looked just like Wendell Carter, which was super solid. He had, I think, eight, 16 and 10 and five blocks, you know, today against, uh, it was the Cavs, that's what it was. So he looked really solid. He looked like he, again, looks like a super high floor, maybe not the highest ceiling guy, but a really high floor sort of player. He's going to slot, I think, nicely next to marketing. So he looked really good. And yeah, Trey Young obviously stood out for the, all the wrong reasons. He was 12 for 52 in his first three games. And then today, what was he? I think I was he was up 4 for 12 today or something. 4 for 12, so that was on mm. fire. Yeah, so he's now 16 for 64 now. He did so at that, least have 11 assists today. So he did something out there. But yeah, the shooting shot, has not come yet. And shot 12 free throws. That's right. So. Yep. The shooting has not come to say the least. Yeah, not not at all. He also had seven fouls today. You, know, you can't foul out in the summer league, so he's he's getting manhandled um, by the likes of you know Frankie Smokes, <laughs> <laughs> which he was. He was defending Frank Frankie Lakina today, and Kevin Knox. Um, so Trey Young has looked awful. He's really looked terrible. And um, yeah, I saw the highlights of the Aiton versus. Um, Bagley. Uh, Marvin Bagley, and Aiton looked like he got the better of him. Bagley looked like he got stonewalled a number of times down on the post and ran out the shot clock once, and his footwork looked off. And again, it's summer league, and it's a couple. It's not big sample sizes here, but Bagley he looked he looked pretty bad, he looked pretty stiff, looked, looked like sort of he was out outmanned. But you know, good on good on Aiton. Aiton looked really good. Aiton looked like what we thought. He's got an NBA ready body. Uh, Marvin Bagley does not have an NBA ready body yet, so he's probably closer to the Brandon Ingram camp of bodies, you know, than he is the Justice Winslow camp or Jason Tatum camp of bodies. You know, these Duke guys who come out um, on quite a wide spectrum. But uh, yeah, mostly I just sort of wish I was there. It sounds like it's such a, a freaking amazingly fun place to be to watch um, to watch basketball. As as meaningless as the basketball, it is it's really. Man, it'd be fun to watch all these young guys. I saw Lonnie Walker, you know, do this crazy step back behind the back, ankle breaking crossover, fadeaway pull up. Looked like young Dwayne Wade. Um, I'm sorry, it looked like Tyler Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's had yeah, he's had some highlights. He's had some lowlights too. I think the uh, the shot selection still leaves a lot to be desired. So sure, let's get him in league. that Spurs yeah. system, Daz, and uh, yeah. and iron out the kinks. So look, we'll, we'll see what what comes of this week. Um, obviously, free agency's dying down a little bit, so we, we hopefully we'll take in a bit more summer league. Um, in the next week or so, and who knows, we might have a new destination for Kawhi Leonard soon, although I think, you know, to our points earlier, that's going to play out a little bit longer in the offseason. I guess Jabari's probably the big story that's still the drop in the offseason, so I'm sure we'll have a little bit more um, clarity around that situation when we next speak, Daz. Well, Jabari and Kawhi seem to be the two last dramas, and then there's a little bit of mystery, I think, around Capella and Smart is Smart, but yeah, I think... And yeah, and then maybe a bit of a um, feel-good story if Isaiah Thomas lands somewhere and gets a chance to play again. So yeah. we're dwindling down. It's getting towards the quiet time of the season when we can start we can start our prognosticating or or uh, fantasy basketball planning <laughs> or something. 
All right, mate, no problems. Well, look, we'll, we'll try and talk again in the week's time. We'll see where we land then. And uh, we might even uh, sort of sit back and, and try and take a, um, a bit of a macro view of the winners and losers of free agents. But it doesn't feel like there's there's been as many big moves um, in this off-season as last, or as many teams, I guess, making additions and subtractions as there was um, in, in the last season. But we might... Uh, We'll pan back and sort of see where the league where the league sits after this latest free agency. Sounds good, pal. All right, mate. No worries. We'll talk again soon. Have a good one. Thanks, mate. Bye. Thanks.